Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. God is here. Now God's in, uh, in a lot of places this morning. In fact, God's everywhere. But there's something unique and something special about being uh, with other believers together to open up God's Word. And I truly believe that this morning, what I have for you is something that will absolutely change the rest of your life from this point on. I believe that so strongly. However, what I say means nothing unless you hear it and do it. So there's a two-part two part deal. I've got to say it. God's already said it, but I've got to say it. And then you have to hear it and do it. Now, when I say you, I mean, I'm including myself in that as well. Um, and the title of today's message is this, Whatever. How many of y'all remember Valley Girl Days? Yeah? Like, oh my gosh, barf out, gag me with a spoon, right? <laughs> now, the younger ones are sitting here going, what in the world did he just do? Like, okay, whatever. The sad thing is, is I really do that well. That's what's sad. I was never a Valley Girl, contrary to popular belief. Back in the 80s, there was this uh, big phase of being a valley girl. And I think it actually came from a movie, if I recall correctly. And that became this, this thing that just, just it hit, it hit the schools and it was, it was all over from that point on. Thankfully, we grew out of the valley girl phase. Thankfully. However, we did not grow out of the whatever phase. Now, in my house, there's, there's a, an, it's, it's spoken, but it's now no need to speak it because... Whatever, whether it's said or not said, it, it's like a, that's, that's one of those things that we don't do, or at least it, it, it irritates the, the parental units, right? If you're a parent, have you ever had a kid go, Psh, whatever? Yeah? I, I do remember thinking to myself, next time I do that in my home, I'm going to lose some teeth, because my dad, he didn't put up with that. But whatever's not just a word, it's also a look. Now, my wife tells me I'm an expert at the whatever look. Here it is. You ready? Don't miss it. Did you get it? <laughs> so, so, whatever is a, is a look, whatever is a word, whatever is a, is a thought, apparently you can just think whatever in my house and be guilty of it, right? So here's the thing, we, we, whatever's not a good thing unless you're talking about this whatever. Because I want to tell you that you and I are to live a whatever lifestyle. We are to live or we are to think a whatever thinking process. And here's what I mean. Turn in your Bible, if you will. To Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at two passages primarily this morning. Romans chapter 8 and Philippians chapter 4. Whatever is, 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 uh, is how we're supposed to think. Okay? That's in Philippians 4. Before we get to that though, I want to, I want to first talk about thinking a little bit. Now last week the message was about starting the new year, right? Let's get it started. And let's, let's do the things that we need to do so that our year doesn't just fly by without purpose and without intention. And so our goal is that at the end of this year we go, wow, that was the best year ever. I did something. Or, or hopefully the word would be, God did something in me and through me. But in order to do that, one of the things that I said was, we've got to start thinking 
differently. Because what we think about is what we become. What we think on is what we become. Now, I I gave you a couple of different resources. One of them, I hope you watched it. I'm not sure if you did, but it was Earl Nightingale. It was a 30-minute talk that he did. He left it for his, uh, his employees when he was going out of town. And it was kind of a motivational speech to help them to sell more. And, and it was called, um, oh gosh, the secret, uh, the, The Strangest Secret is the title of it. And The Strangest Secret boils down to this. What you think, you become. As your thinking goes, so your life becomes, or so your life goes. Now, I told you that I don't necessarily believe everything in that speech, but I do believe in the, in the basic content of it, that our thinking affects us more than we could ever possibly imagine. Because the way we think affects everything we do. The way we think affects how we feel. The way we think affects um, um, how we treat other people. It affects everything. And the, the, the thinking part of us is our mind. And the Bible has a lot to say about what we do with our mind. Now, there are really three options for a person in, in what they think about or in how they think. Now, there's one here, which is the carnal mind. Now, carnal means a man, or, or it's human, and, it, and it's the mind that is not thinking on the things of God. It's thinking from what we would call the flesh. In the Greek, the, when, anytime you see the flesh, you're talking about human thinking, or, or human living, or human uh, uh, being outside of who God is, right? So you have the carnal mind, or the fleshly mind. Over on this side, you have the spiritual mind, or the things of the Spirit. And this is a person who, who, who yields to God's Spirit every day in every way. And these are the, these are the two extremes, although this one over here is not really that, that very extreme. This is a norm. Okay? Over here, I do think it's an extreme in that we still, even if we have the mind of the Spirit, are going to wrestle in the middle. And in the middle, I think, is where most of us live the majority of our life. In between what I know God wants me to do and think and be and what I know my flesh wants me to do and think and be, but I'm torn in the middle, back and forth, like this tug of war. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, look, I know what I'm supposed to do, but what I want to do, I can't do, and I don't do, but what, what God wants me to do, I do something different. And, and, and he said, I, I see this war, war at work in me. Right? And this war is this battle between the spirit and the flesh. Y'all with me so far? Is this making sense? How many of you find yourselves living most of the time right here in between both worlds? Yeah? It's tough, right? Because we are, we are, are, are confined to this body. We have a body. We, we have a, a human world we have to live in. And whether we want it or not, we are bombarded constantly with the things of the world. And so here is what the Scripture says in Romans about the mind of the, the flesh as opposed to the mind of the Spirit. Here are, here are, are the, the pictures of what they look like. Verse 5, Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Okay, so what does the flesh desire? Talk to me. What is it that the flesh desires? Money. Yeah. What else? Acceptance. Pleasure. What else? Fame. That's right. We want to be somebody. That's why we go to the bar at Cheers, because everybody knows your name, right? 
I mean, there, there's, that, 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 there's a reason that that was such a popular show, right? So what else? What does the flesh desire? Power. Yeah? Purpose, right? I mean, the, the flesh desires um, all these things, right? Now, interestingly enough, all of those things, trying to think through the list that we just said, all of those things in and of themselves are not bad things, are they? Or I guess I should say it this way. None of those things are bad things. Pleasure is God's idea, right? I mean, after all, God created humans the way He humans. He gave us taste buds so that we could taste and enjoy the pleasure of food, right? He gave us nostrils with, with the ability to connect to our taste buds so that when we smell things, and I think that's how it works, right? It, it engages these things and we're like... Ooh, somebody's cooking bread, right? Uh, at Disney, just so you'll know, I'm on to them. They have these smell good things where it actually pumps out smells to make you come and buy stuff. Yeah, I think it was the Godiva choc uh, chocolate shop that I noticed that. I walked in, I was like, I see this stuff spraying out the top of the door, and I'm going, man, those dirty little... Okay, I'll buy some. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it works, right? So pleasure was God's idea. What about, what about power? Power was God's idea. Did he not say to Adam and Eve, subdue the earth, right? You rule and reign the earth like I would rule. What about money? Is money a bad thing? I hope not. Because all of us work for it every day, right? So these aren't things that are bad things, but it's the pursuit of these things in a way that, that seems right to a man... But the Bible says, in the end, they only lead to death. It's pursuing these things that God started and God created in a way that is, that is selfish and in a way that is apart from what God said. And so that is the mind of the flesh. And the Bible says that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So those who live according to the flesh do things and they think about and they, and they, they dwell on the things that the flesh desires, but it's, it's, the, things, it, it, it's the things of the flesh that are antithetical or, or, or against the way God says it to be. Does that make sense? But the counter to that is those who have their, or those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, what does the Spirit desire? Well, let's go through the gifts of the Spirit, because that's probably, I mean, if, if, if there's, or, or the fruit of the Spirit. If the fruit of the Spirit is what comes from the Spirit, then that must be what the Spirit desires, right? So what are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and did I get them all? Did I miss one? So you don't know either. So it's basically love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? Long-suffering. Isn't that patience? So, so, so we've got though the, the, those are the, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the evidence that God's Spirit is in you. So this is what the Spirit desires, right? So think about this. You can have your mind set on something, or you must have your mind set on something. It'll either be the things of the flesh, which is, how can I get pleasure? How can I get money? How can I get um, power? How can I get stuff? How can I get fame? 
Okay, that's my mind is set on those things, so I'm trying to get those things. Or my mind is, I, how can I get love? How can I get peace? How can I get joy? Do you see the difference? One side of it, these are a means to an end. The other side of it is, these are, these are attributes or these are qualities that, that when we find these things, all of this other stuff is the result or the, the benefit of it. Does that make sense? And so if I pursue money, then I may find money, but I'll never find peace, and I'll never find joy, and I'll never find hope, and I'll never... I'll not find, but if I'm pursuing these things, guess what? Those things, God is going to bring into the conversation because that's part of, of living. And He said, look, if you'll follow me, I'll take care of you every need. And so... So we have these minds, and the mind that is set on the flesh pursues these things. The mind that is controlled by the Spirit or set on the Spirit is, is pursuing these things. And here's the result of what we pursue. Verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is what? And two for one. If you pursue a mind of the flesh, you get one thing. You get death and everything that comes with death. If you pursue a mind that is controlled by the Spirit, you get both life and peace and everything that comes along with life and peace. Now, let's break this down. When I say death, what kind of pictures come to your mind? I, I, I think of a putrid smell of rotting flesh. That's gross, isn't it? But that's, is that not death? Um, on occasion, we have been known to be successful in the field or in the water and properly clean the game and forget that that which we've cleaned has not been disposed of. And we'll walk into the backyard a week or two later and go, guess what we forgot, right? That is, a, yeah, beautiful. But I say that to say that is, that is death. There is nothing hopeful or pretty or pleasant or good about death. Now, I know for the believer it's different, but, but death is, is, is putrid, right? What else do you think of when it comes to death? What was that? Darkness. Okay, what else? Final. What else? Sorrow. What else? What about pain? What about suffering? What about, what about loneliness? What about emptiness? What about, uh, we said darkness, right? So here's the thing. The mind controlled by the flesh, the end result of that, the, 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 the benefit of the mind controlled by the flesh is death and everything that comes along with it. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is what? It's life and peace. Okay, so what picture do you have in mind when it comes to life? What comes, what do you think about? Joy, yeah. What else? Potential. Is that what you said? Potential, okay. What else? I think of a newborn baby. I mean, uh, how sweet it is to hold a newborn baby, right? Um, 
And, and I told you before, one of my favorite things when I had little kids is just to let them breathe on me. The, the little baby breath before they start eating like peas, you know, mashed peas and stuff, it's, that's, then it's gross. But when they're like new, newborn, they have this innocence and this purity that's just amazing. And you're sitting here, you're looking at them going, wow, right? There's hope there. There's, there's, uh, uh, there's curiosity and there's, there's joy and all those other things. Along with this secondary, and I don't think it's secondary, but this, this, this cousin of life is what? It's peace. If I told you that you could buy peace, and this was the amount of money that you would spend, it would cost this much dollars, this many dollars, and if the guarantee was if you buy this peace, you will have perfect peace the rest of your life. How many of you would go make whatever you had to make or do whatever you had to do to earn enough money to buy peace? Would anybody? Peace is one of those things that people search their entire life for. Listen, when you are frustrated, there's a lack of peace. When you're afraid, there's a lack of peace. When you're... um. When you're angry, there's a lack of peace. If I told you that peace could come, you would probably do pay whatever you had to pay to find it or to attain it, but I can tell you that it can't be bought, but it can be had. Would it be worth it? So I said before you today, two ways of thinking. A mind controlled by the, by the flesh, which the result is death, and a mind that is controlled by the Spirit, and the result is life and peace. Right about now you're going, hmm, kind of kind of seems like a pretty easy choice. But it's, what? wait, there's more. Verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh, this is the condition of the mind. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God, but the mind, gov- or excuse me, uh, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So the mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. What does that mean? That means you, you don't just, you don't just uh, ignore God's law. But it's, it's, it's a mind that is actively working against God's law. It's one who essentially, um, I, I have so many pictures in my head that I want to share with you that I, I can't because we have children in the room. So I'm just going to, I'm going to try to, try to, because this is an offensive thing. If you are hostile towards God, you are, you have, you are essentially blaspheming. You are, you are, you are angrily cursing him. I am, who do you, I mean, you you get the sense of what I'm trying to say. That's the mind, that's the result of the mind that's controlled by the flesh. There's a hostility towards God, this anger, this, this abusive speech, if you will. But then, and, and, and in that, you cannot please God. But over here, a mind that is controlled by the Spirit is a mind that is perfectly pleasing to God. This is the reason that the mind controlled by the flesh cannot ever find peace, and the mind that's controlled by the Spirit not only finds peace, but in in Philippians 4, what we'll find is, you don't just find peace, but the God of peace is in you. You don't just have peace, you have the God of peace. So where are you? 
Do you have the mind of the flesh, controlled by the flesh, pursuing the flesh, loving the flesh, or do you have the mind of the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, pursuing the Spirit, and have the benefits and fruits thereof? Well, like I said, most of us are in the middle, but the middle is not perfectly back and forth. For the most part, we in the middle are leaning one way, this is my observation, we are leaning one way or the other, and where we lean is determined by our intention. Where we lean is determined by our intention. So in other words, we intentionally lean towards God or lean away from Him. Even if our intention is unintentional. Does that make sense? Because even if we're unintentional, we're intentionally unintentional. Does that make sense? So how do we have a mind controlled by the Spirit? If you will, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. So what the Scripture is telling us to do is have the mind of Christ and to flee the things of the flesh and to not have a mind of the flesh... But sometimes to know the things of the sometimes to know what we shouldn't do, it's easier just to know what we should do. Does that make sense? So in, in, instead of making a list, don't do this, don't do that, don't go here, don't go there, don't do this. That's that's too big of a list, and I find myself unable to keep a list like that. So God, in His infinite wisdom, said, "You know what? I'm not going to make you a list of don't dos." I'm just going to give you a list of do's, and I'm going to give you a way to, to, to sift through whether or not something is for you. And so this, I guess you could say, is the sift. This is the, this is the strainer. This is the filter. Okay? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the Scripture says, Finally, brothers and sisters. Now, when you hear the word finally... Two things come to mind. One, whew, finally he's done, right? So there's a relief. Okay, it's almost over. But the word finally actually is, is, is kind of a conclusion word. It's, it's a word that, that should make our ears perk up and go, wait a minute, this is important. By, yeah, that's right. By, by, by Paul's or, um, saying to the Philippians, now finally he's saying, after all that's been said, this is what I want you to hear. This is the wrap-up. This is the climax. This is the apex, right? So after everything you've heard, finally, brothers and sisters, note that. Brothers and sisters, this is written to the church. I want to say to you that you will save yourself a whole lot of anxiety and frustration if you will stop expecting the world to act like the church. There, amen? There's a lot of frustration and confusion. And there's a lot of anger at, at people who, are go, who their minds are governed by the flesh and they cannot please God no matter how hard they try because it's impossible to please God in that condition. And yet, believers are getting frustrated that they're doing things and saying things and, hey, how are they going to do that? We're talking about believers here. Finally, brothers and sisters, he says, whatever is true. Now, he starts on a list of whatevers, and he's going to give us six whatevers, 
that modify a verb. And then in verse 9, he's going to give us some more instructions that modify a verb. And here are the two verbs. The verb in 8 and the verb in 9 is this. Think on, dwell on, meditate on, soak up. The verb in 9 is follow or do. And so herein we have the way to find peace with God. Here's, an, here, here's how we have a way to be, to be righteous. Here's how we have a way to be in step with God. To be in His will. However you want to pe- say it. It's hear and think, and then it's do. Right? How simple is that? Now, if you'll skip down the last of verse 8, you'll find this. He says, think about such things. What things? Well, there's six of them. But that think about such things is not just a passing thought. It's just not a, it's not a temporary, momentarily, oh yeah, I thought of that. It literally means to dwell. It means to park yourself and to, it's not a shower, it's a bath, right? It's not a, it, it's not a, it's not a, a microwave, it's a slow cooker, right? It's not a gas grill, it's a charcoal grill. I'm trying to hit everyone here, right? So in other words, you you, I was telling a guy about um, I, I got a new I got a new cooking utensil called a sous vide cooker. You know what that is? It's S O U S E V I D E. It's French. So it's sous vide. It means under vacuum. And 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 I'm now a, a sous vide evangelist, I suppose, because I have finally figured out the key to making tender um, deer roast. It's sous vide. Basically, you, 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 you put in a bag the meat and you seal it and you put it in water and the sous vide cooker makes the temperature of the water whatever temperature you tell it to be and it cooks it over a slow period of time. I'm only telling you that because it made me think. I was talking to a friend of mine. He goes, yeah, but dude, I can't picture myself standing around the sous vide cooker with the beer enjoying the, you know, the fellowship with my buds. Now, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're missing the point. But what he was saying was, the experience was what he was after, right? That is the idea of what we're supposed to do when it comes to thinking. It's not just a microwave, very quick. It's a, these things we are to hang out around the grill. We're supposed to uh, uh, sit and, and meditate on, soak in, whatever word you want to use. And these things, if we will dwell on them, meditate on them, soak on them, they will change us and we will be conformed into the image of Christ. So, here's what the six are. You ready? Finally, brothers, I want you to write a list. I want you to memorize these six words, and here's why. This is your litmus test of should I or shouldn't I. This is how you determine what is right and what is wrong. I, I say that. The Word of God tells what is right and wrong. But this, this is your initial, if I'm unsure, run it through this test. Okay? Number one. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is what? True. Man, we, if this is the only one we had, it really would be enough, don't you think? Whatever is true. Truth is in short supply nowadays. 
public truth is in short supply, I guess I should say. You and I have to wade through a bunch of falsehoods and half-truths in order to find truth. True or false? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, dwell on such things. But you and I wrestle in the middle between the two, and we spend a lot of time on things perhaps that are not true. So one of the first questions we should ask is, is this true? Now, it seems as though that truth is determined more by pragmatism than by standard in our own culture. In other words, does it work? Well, if it works, it must be true, right? There are, there are all kinds of things where that applies. One of them I'm thinking of is certain diets. I have no certain diet in mind. I'm just saying there are diets that you would not want to do because if you did them, you might lose a little bit of weight, but it's not good for you, right? Because the process isn't healthy. Is that right? For instance, if I threw up every day, I'd probably lose a little weight, right? Probably not a good idea. That's, that's not a healthy way to do it. So the pragmatism of just because it works doesn't mean it's true. We need to transfer that and, and, and start looking at things and filter things. Is this true? Not does it work, but does it violate the, the, the truths of God's Word? Is it true according to God, not is it true according to the flesh? And I have to say when it comes to truth, we need to be... I'm trying to say this where you don't jump to a presupposed idea of what I'm saying. We tend to believe things as true more easily based on whether or not the people who say it are like us or not like us. That, that, that goes for color. That goes for economic class. That goes for political party. That goes for denomination. That goes for all kinds of, of different groupings. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If somebody's part of my group, then I'm going to believe that what they say is true because they're, they're one of us. But I have to tell you, as followers of Jesus, we are responsible to be outside of those groupings in the way we, we think and in the way we determine is something true or not. Because... As I've discovered, people in my own group can often be wrong. Amen? Um, probably the most glaring is, is the whole issue with political parties. Is anybody else tired of seeing people proclaiming things as true just because their political party says it's true? And guess what? Every party's guilty of it. Right? Now look, you can be whatever party you want to be. But don't sacrifice truth for the sake of whatever party you are. Here's why. Because you're not an elephant or a donkey or a nut, an in-between. You are a follower of Jesus Christ and you bear the name of the gospel and you, you carry a name that is greater than any political party name. Those parties have only been along, around for 200 years. The kingdom of God has been around since the foundations of the earth. So you are a stranger and an alien here. Now look, I'm not saying don't be, I'm not saying don't be a part. I'm not saying totally abandon it. I'm just saying uh, filter and strain what you hear and what you repeat and what you, you, you push. Does that make sense? Here's what I know. Democrats don't hate illegal immigrants. And here's what I know. Republicans don't hate illegal immigrants. They differ on how to address the issue, 
But to go a blanket, you guys just hate people. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Guys, that's dumb. Now, some do, some do, you know, both sides. But what I'm trying to get at is we've got to step out of these groupings. Okay, here's another one. Um, and, 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 and I have to be careful because I'm an LEO guy. My, my dad was law enforcement. So I'm always going to take the side of law enforcement first. Right? I mean, that's just, that's, that's, that's the nature I was brought up. But guess what? There are some bad cops. There are. But there are a lot of good cops. So for me to make a judgment based on my own experience before knowing the facts, is it true or is it untrue, I'm, I'm not loving anybody in that, in that situation, right? Okay, what about black and white? If I'm, if I'm black, I see things one way. If I'm white, I see things from a white perspective. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, I have a color, but, it, but I need to step out of that and go, okay, is this true? Do, do I, do, does that make sense? Do you, does anybody wrestle with that besides me? Here's why this matters. Because we do a disservice to the gospel. We, we give a bad name to Jesus when we speak untruths because we didn't choose to filter them through the gospel as opposed to our own particular likeness of whoever it is that is saying the untruth. And I have to tell you, the biggest way that we offend this is in social media. For the love of all things good, if you cannot verify it through original sources, do not share it. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Here's why. Because you are a bearer of truth. It only takes one falsehood for you to lose your credibility in all things truth. And when you lose your credibility, your, your, your voice is nullified and worthless. And we got bigger fish to fry, right? Now, I say that I'm guilty. Hopefully not as guilty as I used to be. But it's something we need to think about. So whatever is what? True. You're going to ask yourself the question, is this true? Is it founded in truth, right? And we're going to think on things that are true. Okay, the very next one, it says, uh, whatever is true, finally, uh, whatever is Noble. Now, you might have a New King James or something that's honorable is the word. Is it honorable? Now, for something to be honorable means it's respectable. It's worthy of respect. It's, it's, it, it's, it's something, that, um, something that nobility or something that royalty would do. Is it honorable? Is it noble? Now, is... Um, to ask, is it noble, is, is, is difficult because it requires an honesty in our own heart. Because obviously, if we want to think on something that is dishonorable, we're going to do everything we can to make it honorable. Does that make sense? We're going to justify it, and we're going to rationalize it 
But I'm saying that our responsibility, according to God's Word, is to ask the question according to God's standard, is not, not is this honorable, but do this. Is that honorable? Ask yourself from a distance. And if it's not honorable, don't think on it. Don't dwell on it. Don't spend time on it or with it or in it. Here's the third one. Whatever is right. Now that word right really should be righteous. Is it righteous according to the laws and commands of God? Um, I find that this is easily, easy to offend when it comes to media. Um, you know, the, uh, this, this was evident to me. I was, I was driving down the road and I was listening to the radio and I was singing along. And, and I believe it was a Katy Perry song that was on, if that tells you anything. Now, I'm not a Katy Perry fan in, in that I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't have her CDs and stuff, but it was on the radio, and I just happened to recognize the song. And I was singing along, and I go, uh, uh, what am I singing? And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was, I kissed a girl, and I like it. Like. And I started thinking through the song going, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And, and that was the moment where God said, look, you don't have to be intentional about listening to something for that something to become a part of who you are. You don't have to. It can be a total accident. I remember we were at a hospital chaplain's luncheon. Actually, it was all hospital luncheon. And, uh, and they had this group of, of dancers called the Dancing Grannies. Let that sink in for a moment. It was cool. Oh, yeah. It was cool. But, um, but one of the songs uh, was Grease Lightning. The whole song. The whole song. Now, half of y'all are like, so? You're going to go Google it, and you'll figure out why. I had no idea. How many years old when you figured this out? I was like this many years old, right? I didn't know. I thought it was just a cool, fancy song. But, but I think it was uh, Kevin that said, dude, do you, do you know? The, I go, no. So he pulled him up on Google. What? Are you kidding? Ah, my eyes. <laughs> I mean, just, it was just, and, but, 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 but here's the point. We listen to things and we don't even comprehend. We don't even think about what's going on there. And it is impossible to put something into your brain and for you to ever forget it. As I understand it, our brains are supercomputers in such a way that they store everything you've ever heard or seen for your entire life. It files it away somewhere down in there. You may not be able to pull it out at will, but it is in there. And because you put it in there, it's a seed. Um, I heard... Uh, Two two guys from South Louisiana were sitting on a log, and one of them said, Hey, Boudreaux, scientists tell us that uh, we only use one-third of our brain. There's a little awkward silence, and the other guy says, Ah, yeah, I wonder what we do with the other third. <laughs> it was just a little comic relief to get you to lighten up a little bit. They were from Florida. 
You just got it, didn't you? I knew that was going to happen. That's the other third we're talking about right there. <laughs> so here's the thing. Whatever, whatever is righteous, dwell on such things. Okay? What's the fourth one? Whatever is pure. That word pure is the word for holy, set apart for the Lord, sanctified. Whatever is pure, think, dwell, soak, meditate, immerse yourself on such things. Is, is what you are putting in pure? Now, this is where it's tough because in this day and age, finding holy is so hard. It's almost impossible. I mean, you had to filter through a lot of junk to find the nugget of pure. I'm going to talk about this towards the end when it gets to the practical part. But here's the thing. Every single day we are deciding, hopefully we will from this day forward, we will decide, is it true? Is it honorable or noble? Is it righteous? Is it pure? Is it admirable? I mean, we're, we're asking these questions and, and we may have to ask it this way. Is it righteous enough? Is it pure enough? Is it holy? I mean, enough might have to be added to there because it's almost impossible for us to live in a broken world and keep all of these things excluded. We'd have to go to an island where nobody else lives there but us, and even then we couldn't get it right, right? So we may have, to, we may have to, to, to judge a little bit based on, for instance, if you watch a movie, there might be two cuss words in it, and it might be the D word, right? I'm not suggesting that as we watch a movie, go, oh, there's a D word, it's off. Because you wouldn't watch any movie, not even a PG movie, of course, right? But I'm saying there has to be this level of going, you know what, that's not pure and that it's, that's not going to help me. Now, there are some movies that, that they have some, some, some things in it that are, that, that are un, un uh, that's the word I'm looking, that, that aren't good, but, but the over, there, but there's a, there's a rege, uh, regenerative part, is that the word? A regenerative part of the movie, or a redemptive part of the movie that, that out of that it's like, okay, that's, that's helped me to see something different. So, so we have to kind of, we have to kind of work through that based on these questions. Is it true? Does that make sense? Um, so here are the last, here are the last two. Ready? Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely. Let me read to you what the what the adjectives uh, that would describe lovely. It would be. It could be translated sweet or gracious or generous or patient. Is it sweet, lovely, generous, patient? Uh, are they thoughts that are pleasing, attractive, and amiable before God? And then the sixth one, whatever uh, is admirable or whatever is of good repute, um, it's, is it highly regarded or well thought of? Okay, so these, this is the list of things. Whatever is pure, lovely, uh, these things, right? Dwell on these things. Here's where the rubber meets the road. 
In your daily life, are you dwelling on things that meet these standards or are you dwelling on things that are outside of the bounds of these standards? Because here's what I know. I know that you are what you think. Proverbs 23, 7 says it this way, As a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes or so he is. And if you're thinking on things that are not true, you are going to become a person who is not true. If you're thinking on things that are not pure, you're going to become a person who is not pure. If you're thinking on a person who is not honorable, or if you're thinking on things that are not honorable, you're going to become a person that is not honorable, and so on, and so on, and so on. Right? And then the second part is, do something. So you think and then you do. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, um, put into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. So I've got to finish through this because we're at the end of time. Paul is saying, look, all this, these things that I'm telling you, I've modeled them for you. If you'll follow my life, you will find Jesus. Now, those of us in this room will look at that and go, man, I sure wish I could say that. No, it's not a wish. That's the expectation. You and I should live a life that says, follow me if you want to follow Jesus. Your life should be, should be in tune with God to the point where you are the model for other people to follow. Now look, I don't say that in judgment. I say that as the high ideal of the gospel. We sometimes speak it and we sometimes think of it as, oh, we'll just never get there, we'll never... No, the goal is the more we... We should not look today like we looked yesterday. We should not continue in sin. We should become more and more like Christ. Not that we won't struggle. And I'm not talking about perfectionism, but I'm talking about there should be a transformation because the Spirit of God is working inside of us that, that we are thinking differently or we are becoming a different person. We are looking more and more like Jesus. And therefore, because we look more and more like Him, other people can say, wow, you do remind me of Jesus. And again, not perfect... But, but, it, but, but, but being transformed, right? When you're transformed, you don't look the same. Okay, I'm going to say this, and I want you to hear me when I say it. If you've been born again for a bunch of years and you've not been transformed, you probably haven't been born again. Because you cannot come into a living encounter with the gospel and it not change you. It's impossible. Just like every Sunday morning, I'm going to tell, tell you a secret, okay? Every Sunday morning, I try not to go in the kitchen, although I do go in the kitchen, because I'm going after my ketchup. Because everybody knows you eat ketchup on scrambled eggs. <laughs> well, you just don't know what good is. So here's the deal. You say, well, why don't you want to go in the kitchen? I love the people in the kitchen. But here's what I know. If I step into the kitchen, even for a moment when I come out, what am I going to smell like? Bacon. I'm going to smell like bacon or sausage or something in the kitchen. In fact, 
I had to spray, I had to spray like a sprayer stuff on me, like a freshener. So in case I hug somebody, I don't smell like breakfast and you want to eat me or something, right? And, and I, I'm, I'm being kind of silly in that, but it's impossible to go into the kitchen and not smell like what you're cooking. It's impossible to have an encounter with Jesus Christ and Him not change and transform you in some way. You haven't met the real Jesus if you haven't been transformed in some way. I'm not going to give you a, a limit of how much, but there has to be something there. Otherwise, He hasn't been real yet to you. So what do we do? Here's what we do. Number one, we strain everything. Filter everything. You do this with your air conditioner. You do this with, uh, with, with your windows. When you don't open the window and don't have a screen, do you? Why? Bugs fly in. You have a screen there to keep the junk out, right? In your car, you have a filter because you put the fuel in and that fuel has to go through the filter because all the contaminants come out, right? When you go to a jewelry store to buy gold, you ask, has this been filtered? You may not know you asked that, but you are. Am I buying 10 carat or am I buying 24 carat? You're asking, has it been filtered? And here's the cool thing. The more it's filtered, the more valuable it is. Your faith is more valuable when it's filtered as opposed to unfiltered. So in our daily life, we have got to start thinking, filter, filter, filter. We've got to start challenging what we hear and not just believing it because somebody says it. We've got to start actively speaking out against, in our own minds anyways, things that we know are not true. Why? Because if we don't address it and deal with it, it's going to file away in our brains and we're going to just eventually go, okay, that's fine, that's true. This is why public opinion today on matters of sexuality is radically different than they were 50 years ago. Because it has been unfiltered. And because believers largely have said, oh, well, it must be okay. I mean, it's not so bad, right? So we filter. By the way, if you are a parent, you not only have the right, but you have the obligation to filter what your kids listen to, what they watch, and who they hang out with. Amen? If you're a parent and you're struggling with that, let me just tell you, the nature of being a mom or a dad is that you guard their heart for them as you teach them to guard their own heart. Do not give them unfettered access to the web. Do not give them unfettered access to TV. Do not... I'm, I, I, don't even want, I don't even want media in our rooms. Right? You do what you want to do, but I'm just saying, as a mom and a dad, it's your responsibility to filter for your kids while they're learning. Here's, here's why. They, if you ask a kid what they want for breakfast, they're going to choose chocolate chips every single time. Right? Ice cream, cake, Mountain Dew. Shut up and eat your vegetables. If you do it for food, why don't you do it for the things that change their soul? And kids, you're going to hate me on this, I'm sure, but you have a right to look at their texts. I know. You have a right to ask questions. Where you been? Why have you been there? That's a whole other sermon, but you get the point, right? As parents, that's our job.
But here's, here's why I said that. Because it's not your job to do it for me or for your spouse or for your neighbor. Now, you, you can help them, but you're not the Holy Spirit. Let God do that. Because if you want to turn away your spouse, just start being the TV police. Right? You want to turn away your neighbor, just start being the, the Spirit of God in their life. You don't, you don't need to do that. All you got to do is worry about your heart and your mind. And I promise you, the Word will get out. Now, take that, take that cautiously. It, I'm not saying that, that you don't ever say... I'm just saying, be careful that you don't become God in their lives. You don't want to do that. That's not going to help them. That's going to, if anything, push them away, right? You all understand that, right? So, filter what we put in. And that includes media, that includes uh, media being what we watch and what we hear. And not only do we filter what we put in, but we and then in the second thing, we intentionally input things that will build us up. This past week, I spent a large number of hours listening to old sermons. And I'm blown away at, at some of the things that, that, that I heard. And it dawned on me. We have the ability, like never before, to infiltrate our heart and our mind with the Word of God. And we are not taking the opportunity that we have. Instead, we're passively allowing the enemy to put stuff in that shape us and change us against what we say we want to be. And then we wonder why we wrestle so much with a lack of peace. Amen? I'm not going to tell you what to watch. Now, in days past, in the, in the 1980s, preachers would tell you what to watch. They'll tell you, ooh, don't let me get on soaps. Woo, right? If you, were, if you were in church in the 80s, you were told what soap opera you could not watch. Pretty much none of them. You were told what movies you couldn't watch. You were told what, t what, 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 uh, what records to burn, right? What kind of clothing? You, I mean, there, there was this whole list of things you couldn't do. I'm not going to do that. Here's why. I believe God's Spirit is bigger than, and more powerful than me. And, and, and really the real reason is if I tell you a list, you're going to get mad at me. I don't want you mad at me. I want you to have to go face-to-face, nose-to-nose with God. And I want you to remember what Jesus said. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There's a principle of sowing and reaping. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap to the Spirit. There you go. Take it. It's in your hands. But here's what I'm doing. I'm going to be very judicious about what I let in my head. Too much complaining? You're out of there. If we're Facebook friends, and all you're going to do is post a certain thing about a certain thing, guess what? I'm going to put you on ignore. Not because I don't like you, it's because I just don't want to hear it. Amen? I mean, I have that right, don't I? You have that right. You have that right. If you've got a friend who's just constantly bringing you down, guess what? Time to get a new friend. 
Amen? You will, be, you will become who you hang around. Teenagers, listen to me. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. i got to be done. I want to end it this way. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of freedom. Almost all of you said, if I could buy peace, I would spend whatever amount of money I had to spend on it. Guess what? You don't have to buy peace. You just got to yield to the Spirit of God, and He will give you. Oh yeah, I forgot to show you. Did you see it? And the God of peace will be with you. You don't just get peace. You don't get a byproduct. You get the author. And it's all in where your mind is. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would, you would wrap this whole thing up and make it make sense to us. Lord, help us to be very, very intentional. Lord, I didn't even speak of how we're to, to spend time in your word. But Lord, we should know that. Lord, we should be putting songs that encourage and lift up, not songs that, that tear down. We should, we, we should be listening to songs of hope, not of songs of fear. We should listen, be listening to songs of, uh, about marriages that, that, that work, not marriages that fail. We should be listening to songs that encourage us to be sober, not to get wasted. Lord, the same goes for what we watch. The same goes for conversation. Father, may we not become Pharisees to where we're so worried about somebody else that we forget our own soul. God, may we just deal with our own soul. And Lord, as we are conformed and transformed into a man or a woman of God, you will give us grace and you will give us words that we can share with others in a way that, that leads others to the same place. Father, this is our prayer in Jesus' name and for His name's sake. God's people said, Amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing this song. It's an invitation. And here's what I want you to do. If you're a believer in Jesus, I want you to commit to God, just between you and Him, Lord, today I will filter my thoughts. And then tomorrow I want you to do the same thing. But, but right now, would you say that to God? This morning, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, if He hasn't transformed you and you need to trust in Him, I'm going to be standing here at the front. Will you come and let me pray with you? Let me help you ask Jesus. You can do it on your own. I'd love to help you as well. Whatever you need to do, let's just do it. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze at fbcgulfbreeze.org.